Welcome to From Sin to Zen. We realize this podcast may not be for everyone. However, we believe there are no accidents, and we were meant to connect today. Let's consider a serious question. If the restrictions caused by the laws of religious dogma would have been able to bring the whole world together, why are so many leaving organized religion in search of a new spirituality? From Sin to Zen offers you an opportunity to contemplate what is true, which you will decide for yourself during our journey to spiritual self-empowerment. If you are in the process of re-examining old beliefs that no longer serve you and realize there has to be a more excellent way, then this podcast is for you. We invite you to join us as we take another look at some of the most important tenets of fundamental Judeo-Christian dogma that may be holding you back from fully expressing all you were created to be. This will take us from fear-based dogmas to a love-based experience, or from sin to zen. From Sin to Zen is sponsored by Soma Energetics Vibrational Tools and Training. Raise your vibration at www.somaenergetics.com and Heartlight Spiritual Center, a spirit-led, heart-centered, Christ-conscious, loving community. Raise your consciousness at www.heartlightcharlotte.org. Your spiritual guide for Sin to Zen, David Hulse. Throughout his years of spiritual searching, David has challenged many traditional doctrines, theologies, and dogmas. He has inspired numerous individuals toward a journey of self-discovery by sharing his own experiences. As David has traveled through various beliefs about God, he now sees himself as a bridge between the old and the new. His stirring presentations of intuitive wisdom will inspire and challenge you to move from believing in God to the experiential realm of knowing God and manifesting the spiritual aspects of love, peace, and joy in your life. It is my pleasure to introduce David Hulse for an enlightened journey from sin to zen. The church of today and tomorrow may not be the church that we've known in the past. Living in this great shift of ages, such as moving from the Piscean Age into the Aquarian Age, we're seeing most every system on the planet reinventing itself and transforming itself into new models. Today I want to talk about religion as what it is becoming today as it becomes a more spiritual consciousness. We're actually talking today not to the church as institutions and buildings, but people. Mankind has a blind spot when it comes to religious change. Although we continuously love imagining the world of the future. Fiction, space travel, and cities of the future. We're often breathless anticipation on what's next when it comes to the newest cars coming out, the newest designs and fashions, etc. What's next? All except when it 
is for religion. Religion as we know it has always looked back to another time. Worship in re retrospect. We look back to those of 2,000 years, 4,000, 6,000 years, and even back further for our answers for the future. I'm here to offer you the idea that the future doesn't always be the result of the past history repeating itself. Somehow we need to get off of that will of repeating from the past and spiral into new dimensions and levels of new possibilities of new models and new systems. I often think of the religious system in which I was raised and what it was many decades ago when I was a part of that system and how it formed me and how it shaped me. Unfortunately, I'd have to say it shaped me into a self that was made of a lot of fear. Fear. God was fear. And yet they told me God was love. Which was it? Love or fear? While man makes steady progress in knowledge and the universe around him, such as science and technology, he has cut himself off from his own inner process. How can you progress on that spiritual inner self and know that your truth until you realize that the true technology is within oneself? I have recently heard that the way the neurons in the brain can work is still even faster than the most advanced technology. Remember when we thought that the cell was the smallest thing known to man? Then we thought the atom was the smallest thing known. Then we found that smaller particles were making up the atom, and then smaller, and then smaller, until pretty soon we ran out of small particles, small molecules, and there at the end of things, we found the field of all possibility. Is this what the religion of the past has called God? God is no longer the old man in the sky as we have seen upon the Sistine Chapel ceiling by Michelangelo. But we have found that God was actually in ourselves, within ourselves. And this is where I think religion is going, is toward this new spirituality of self-empowerment. I remember in 1968 getting a magazine, Time magazine it was, that said God is dead. I was so upset. I was a young minister of a more traditional type church and I was absolutely so angry that someone would dare to say God is dead. And looking back, my anger was because something was dying in me. 
what was dying was my belief system. I've always been progressive in my thinking. I've always been a researcher. I've always been a why person and wanted to know. And I was quickly outgrowing the religion of my childhood. I remember having an idea at a very young age that nobody in the Bible spoke the English language. Jesus didn't speak English. The prophets didn't speak English. And I realized these were people of the Near East, that they were the product of Near East culture and religions, such as Aramaic and Hebrew and Greek, and even the influence of Sanskrit. And I thought, I really want to know what would they have said in their time? And of course, I thought at that time, well, that would mean years and years of college and, and learning the languages. But then I found out someone had done that for me. And that was a man named Strong. Today it's known as Strong's Concordance. And it used to be a really large book because it took every word of the Bible and brought it back into the context of the original language. Old Testament, Hebrew, New Testament, Greek. So I was able to start looking up words in the Bible that were in English and trace them back into the languages of the time. And what a revelation that was as I began to understand that most of what was said in the English was not truly said in the original language. This changed everything for me. This set a trajectory for me as I became a very young advocate of learning and searching for what was true. A lot of realizations came to me from just that seeding of that moment of understanding things may not be as they seem to be. And I think this is what is happening into the masses of people that there is many, many souls that are beginning to wake up and realize that maybe things are not as we've been taught or how things have been presented to us. And people are feeling empowered because so much information is available to each and every one of us. We don't have to look to the heads of the government or the heads of religion or the heads of education. We ourselves can study for ourselves and find out what we use to look to a very few for our information. Let's talk about this idea of the church. First of all, most people that I know does not even know what the church is. So let's kind of look at this idea of, uh, of the church and let's take it back into the original language it was translated from, which is Greek. And that word would be ekklesia. Ecclesia. That does not mean a building. So people get up on Sunday mornings, and who doesn't say, if they're religious and they're going, I'm going to church today, thinking the building is the church. The building is the house of God. And their own Bible says, you are the house. We house God, not 
buildings of mortar and buildings made by man. So what does the church mean? Let's go back to a conversation that went on and we'll look at it in the English language for just a moment between Jesus Yeshua 2,000 years ago as he spoke to Peter because these are two main characters in the ideas of Christian language. One representing Catholicism, one representing Protestantism. So the conversation went on and Jesus came to Peter and he says, Peter, who's everybody saying that I am? That's an important question when you ask, who are you? Who is the I am? And he was saying, well, there's, there's rumors uh, that you are Elijah come back because there was a prophecy that, that uh, the church could not start until Elijah returned first. So maybe Jesus was the incarnation of Elijah. Oh no, another group said, absolutely not. It's John the Baptist. John the Baptist has returned to us in the form of Jesus. So everybody had an opinion because everybody, as we often do, is looking to the body identity. But they were missing the true identity that is in the body. So he asked Peter, who do you say I am? Now apparently Peter was having some kind of an experience in some realm of consciousness that he was receiving this enlightenment and this revelation and somehow he saw beyond the body, the culture, the man, Jesus, and saw what Jesus represented. And he says, why? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. It says Jesus was moved by this statement. Thou art the Christ. And he says to Peter, you did not get this from flesh and blood. You got it from spirit. This spirit fathered this idea in you. And Jesus is thinking, well, I'm having the same experience from the same realm of consciousness. And he said, upon this idea of this experience that you and I have had, let us build the ecclesia. Translated, the church. So the church was to be built upon an experience of knowing the inner identity of the divine. We use the term Christ because Christ doesn't mean a person. It means a consciousness. Many of us call it Christ consciousness. I know a lot of people think that Christ is Jesus' last name. Mr. Christ. No, he said, thou art the Christ. He wasn't trying to guess his last name. They didn't even have last names. They just had one name. And that started the true church. The true church was people who knew their true identity. Today, our identity is labels. 
I'm a Protestant, I'm a Catholic, I'm a Baptist, I'm Episcopalian, I, I'm, I'm a Methodist, I'm this, all these labels. And of course, that separates us because if you're not this label, then you're not my label, then you're different from me. This is the world of ego. Somebody asked me one time what sin is, the definition. And I can give you several definitions, but one simple one is a belief in separation. At some point within the human mind, it believed it was separate from its creator. And upon that, religions of the world were built to prove this belief. But as I said earlier, is this true? It may appear. I have spent many decades searching for what is the truth. This is why I'm on this podcast. Because I feel like there's others out there that I'd like to reach that have also been on this same quest of trying to find the truth for themselves and not just buying in to the truth they've been told as it's interpreted and perceived through man's ideas and traditions. Right now, we need the rising of a new consciousness of people. Out of the midst of all of the labels and all of the, the arguing and all of the debating and all of the I'm not you and you're not me, there must be a people arise out of it that comes together not in a religious label but in an experience of the corporate collective Christ. I know people believe that Christ is the only Jesus is the only Christ that there is, but that is not true. And the Bible proves that to us. It says as the church is many members, so is Christ. What? One but many members. As a kid, they told me all I needed to do is just accept Christ into my heart and I would be saved. And yet, I did and I believe Christ was in my heart living in me. But then they said, no, he's going to come out of the sky. That was confusing. Is Christ out there going to come back? Or is he in my heart and in my inner being? The truth was the latter. Christ in me. Here's a great scripture for that. Christ in me, the hope of glory. What is the hope of this world in the shape it's in today is that we all unite into a part of our identity that we all share. We are the heirs of life. We are the heirs of grace. Something began to happen in the 60s. And when I read that Time magazine, I said God was dying. Wow, I had been a minister for a lot of years. I've established myself. This was going to be my life. And what I had given myself was dying. I was not happy. But I was projecting my anger out there rather than realizing that what needed to be healed and changed was in me. So I had a powerful uh, experience through that whole thing. 
And here's what I came with that I want to share with you. What I realized that it wasn't God that was dying. It was my belief in God that was dying. Don't you get that? It was my belief. But you can understand people have beliefs they bowed down to and psychologically made that God. Do you realize what people will do based on their beliefs? It's more than just debate you, argue with you. In the most extreme, people kill you. We see it happening all over the world in the name of this God, in the name of that God. You're my enemy, and my God will destroy the enemy. And the enemy is praying to their God to destroy them who's their enemy. Oh, what a mess it's all become. Something must come out of all of this, and I'm appealing to you that are listening to this podcast today. Let us join in the transcendence of the higher aspect of ourself which has been lost and must be refound together. Religion, true spirituality, is not otherworldly. In the book of Revelation, it says that John, the revelator, says that the future of spirituality will be engaged in bringing down the infinite into the city life, where we live. You see, everything is be good and you'll go to God. You'll go to heaven. You'll see your loved ones. All of them are in heaven. But we're finding out that today there are those gifted enough that they can thin the veil between the spirit world and people are actually right now able to visit their relatives because it's just a veil between the physical and the spiritual world. We see this more and more today. But I want to read something to you that it says. And John says, I see the city of Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem, don't think of Jerusalem as just over there in the Middle East, but Jerusalem means the city of peace. I see the consciousness of peace coming down out of heaven. Think about that. So whatever city you're in, I happen to be talking to you from Charlotte, North Carolina. So I might say this, and I saw the holy city of peace coming down into Charlotte. Chicago. New York City. Los Angeles. Dallas. Wherever you are, imagine peace coming down. Henry Drummond may have started this whole religious revitalization when he said that once we have parted ourselves from the God of rhetoric and connected to the presence that is God within, it will fire our hearts and our minds. This is happening all over the world, that people are having their own unique experience. We call them spiritual epiphanies. Maybe this is an epiphany for you if you're with this podcast. I hope so. So when this spirituality that we're talking about begins to integrate into our mundane, everyday city life, 
relevant to say the economists, politicians, scientists, and also as well as the church order. At that point, we can see the dawn of a new social order in which we would see a regenerative humanity. Well, wouldn't that be nice? A purified society, transformation of cities of the world into the cities of God. And to this great visionary, it was not only possible, but it was inevitable. Religion, as we've known it, is what you become. You become a Protestant, a Catholic, a Baptist, etc. People are much the same as Homo sapiens without religion. If you took the equation of religion away, people would be pretty much alike. Sometimes I go set, say, in a waiting room in a doctor's office that's full of people. And we're all there for the same reason because we want help from the doctor. So no one is trying to separate themselves due to the label of the religion or the church that they come from. The future will be looked at as playing church. Wearing our religion as a vestment and somehow ignoring the experience of the presence within. The spirituality of this community. And this is what we call, what we have here in Charlotte, we call it a center. I think that's a good way of changing your church in name into a center, a spiritual center. I really like that. We feel very comfortable about being a heart light spiritual center here. When this takes place, we'll be centered not within the churches, but in the living. Not in a way of worship, but in a way of life. Not to erect great cathedrals, but produce good people. Not pious people, but integrated whole beings, spiritually conscious people. Now, this does not mean we do not need places to meet. Probably we'll always need uh, places to meet. But for the purpose of study, inner spiritual research, not depositories of final truth. We are the only church. Our dogma and doctrine is the only belief system that is true. This has brought more turmoil into the world than most anything, including wars themselves, have been fought, basically. The great purpose of the communities of spirituality of the future will be not to preach, but to teach, to set individuals free, not to bind them to some creed. There will be a gradual shift from the concept of the church as the authority of the truth to an idea that the truth is a personal quest. Wow, a personal quest. The word religion is an interesting word. It comes from the Greek word religiere or religio, which means to bind. 
There's a place in the Bible, in the English, that Jesus says, come and learn my yoke. My yoke is easy. That's an interesting word, yoke. It actually comes and is traced to a Sanskrit word, yuga, which is translated yoga, which means to join. How's that feel to go and join yourself to something rather than going and binding yourself to something? That's giving your power away. So I hope that you will contemplate and think upon these ideas. And if you're out there and you're searching and you're carrying a lot of your religious baggage from your childhood, I want you to know that you can be cleared of all of that. That's really what it means to be born again is to be cleared of all of our old, old, old teachings that are not in alignment with our innate self. I knew very early that the God I wanted was not the God they were telling me from the pulpit of my church, but it was the God I was feeling inside of myself. And that has sustained me for decades. Thank you so much for being with us on this podcast. And remember, your life is a journey, but your choices are from you. Thank you for choosing to be with us in this podcast today. Thank you.